In the summer of uh, 1972, a long time ago, a friend of mine and I were uh, doing some shopping for some clothes in my hometown of Greer, South Carolina. My friend uh, had bought a shirt, and just as we were leaving the store, um, we were walking out the door, I think I was in the front, and an older gentleman suddenly turns around, sticks out his hand, and grabs my hand in a firm handshake and says, Hi, my name's Strom Thurmond, and I'm running for re-election. I hope you vote for me. And um, he um, then took my friend's hand, shook his hand, and then said the same, basically the same thing, went off and was started talking to other folks. And I was like, wow, I just met Strom Thurmond. Now, if you're not from South Carolina, uh, you may not quite get it. He was a United States senator for a long, long time. Um, but he wasn't just any U.S. senator. This was Strom Thurmond. You know, everybody in South Carolina knew Strom Thurmond. He'd been governor uh, two terms back in the 1940s. He'd run for president of the United States in 1948. And he got elected to the United States Senate in 1954, the year I was born, as a write-in candidate. Yeah, believe it or not, as a write-in candidate. Now, write-in candidates don't get elected hardly ever for anything. And they certainly don't get elected to the United States Senate, unless you're Strom Thurmond. Yes, everybody in South Carolina knew, who Strom, knew Strom Thurmond. Well, not really knew him. I mean, they knew about him, they knew who he was, but they didn't know him, not personally anyway. Um, some of us had met him. I had met him, but I didn't know him. How about Jesus? Do we know Jesus, or have we just met Jesus? Let's consider that this morning. Let's bow our heads, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for bringing us here together this beautiful Sabbath morning where we were able to gather together <clears throat> unmolested by uh, police or other government officials interfering with us gathering to worship you today. That is not the case in many places around the world, as we know. There are over 50 countries around the world where we could not do this legally or openly. And Father, we thank you for that, that freedom that we have, at least for now. And we lift up our brothers and sisters around the world who don't have that freedom and ask that you would strengthen their, their faith, Lord, and help them to stay strong, especially those who are imprisoned, and those there are many who are imprisoned right now for that very reason. And we just lift them up to you this morning. We thank you for your presence among us this morning, and we ask for your guidance today in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, saints. Did you bring your swords with you this morning? No? Yes? Maybe? Not sure? Okay. Amen. Well, paper or electronic, whichever you have, uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning. So to our question this morning, do you know Jesus or have you just met Jesus? Let me start out with a question for the guys. <clears throat> Gentlemen, you're driving down the road and you get caught at a red light and there on the corner is a billboard with a picture of a beautiful, scantily clad young woman. If you know Jesus, how does knowing him help you in that moment and in that situation? Got awfully quiet in here all of a sudden. <laughs> okay, ladies, question for you. You've been home all day. You've been hard at work cleaning the house and getting dinner ready. Then your husband comes home, 
tracks mud in on your flesh, freshly mopped floor and starts complaining about what you fixed for dinner. If you know Jesus, how does knowing Him help you in that time and in that situation? Still awfully quiet in here. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do we know Jesus? Have we met Jesus? Let's go to the Bible. Turn with me or scroll with me uh, to Titus chapter 1, verse 15, please. Uh, if you don't know your way around the Bible that well, Titus is in the New Testament. It's a little bit past the halfway mark, right after First and Second Timothy. Titus chapter 1, starting at verse 15. I'll give you just a moment. Titus chapter 1, starting verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. Verse 16. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Did you catch verse 16? They profess to know God, or they claim to know God, but in works they deny Him. Their actions don't match what they're saying. They say they're Christians, but their actions, their works, don't live up to their claim. Actions speak louder than words. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Do we know Jesus, or have we just met Him? And turn or scroll to Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. Matthew is a very, pretty easy one to find. It's the first book of the New Testament. And this is Jesus speaking. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Strong words. But who is Jesus talking to here? Christians. Think a minute. Let's look at verse 21 again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Who calls Jesus Lord? Christians. Not atheists or agnostics or members of some other, other faith. And apparently these folks are not just nominal Christians. You know, they're not folks who just go to church a couple of times a year, but people who take their beliefs pretty seriously. Look at verse 22 again. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many works, wonders in your name? In whose name? In Jesus' name. These folks are serious. They're prophesying in Jesus' name. They're casting out demons in Jesus' name. They're doing many wonders in Jesus' name. But what does Jesus say to them? Verse 23 again. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But how can this be? How could Jesus tell people to depart from him when they are obviously, tr clearly trying to serve him? 
Back to my Strom Thurmond story for just a minute. Remember, he was running for re-election. Now, could I have volunteered to uh, participate and work on his campaign without knowing him? Sure, I could. I could have gone door to door handing out campaign literature and talking to my friends and family about him without really knowing him. How about Jesus? Could we be working for Jesus without really knowing him? Could we be handing out tracts, doing Bible studies, attending evangelistic series and meetings and serving in church ministries and still not know Jesus? Could we be preaching from God's word and still not know Jesus? Scary thought, but yes. Let's back up a few verses in that same chapter uh, to verse 13. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate... For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few that find it. Narrow is the gate, and difficult the way which leads to life. But what is the way to life? What does it say in John fourteen six? Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me except through Jesus. Jesus is the way. We must know Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As a matter of fact, let's look at that a little bit more. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please look this up with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and 1 Corinthians is the sixth book of the New Testament. It's right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Romans. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul's determination was to know Jesus. Verse 3. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It wasn't through his own strength and wisdom that he preached, but in the Holy Spirit, by knowing Christ. Okay, let's turn or scroll to Philippians chapter 3, our our, uh, scripture this morning. Philippians chapter 3. Just go forward a few books past uh, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and then to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. But what things were again to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I also have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. This is powerful stuff. Paul is saying everything in his life before he now considers rubbish or dung to be actually more accurate translation, compared to knowing Jesus. 
everything. He wants to be found in Him, in Christ, that He may know Him. The Scripture puts a lot of emphasis on knowing Jesus. Someday soon, nobody knows exactly when except God, the greatest crisis in human history will come upon this earth, and we must be prepared for it. But the way to be ready for it is not by building underground shelters or stockpiling guns or food. The way to be ready is not to look at the crisis, but beyond the crisis. To look to Jesus. To know Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Amen. And if you want to um, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3 for a minute here. And Revelation is real easy to find. It's the very last book in the Bible. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3. I was, I was reading this a little bit last night. And uh, this is the section of the letter to the church of Laodicea, which is the church of the last days before Jesus comes back. And there's this where Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And there were some things that struck me last night. This is, you know, because he's standing. What door is he standing at? Our door. He's standing at the door of our church. He's standing at the door of our hearts. He's talking to us. He's talking to Christians. He's not speaking... You know, we, we tend to like to use this verse um, in an evangelistic sense when we you know, are witnessing to folks who aren't Christians. And, and yeah, we can, we can use it that way, obviously, too. But in context, and a text without a context is a pretext, um, in context, he's talking to us. He's talking to me. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And here, here's, here's what struck me last night, and there was many times as I read the verse, this just kind of hit me last night. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. And the first part was that, does it mean that I, it's a possibility that I won't hear his voice? If he's talking to me? Sometimes it's true. But it says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Sometimes we get so busy and caught up with the rush of things in this world today, especially here in the United States, where we're just bombarded constantly with, you know, I mean, we get up in the morning, we turn on the TV or the radio, listen to the news, um, or pick up the paper and read the, read the news, which is usually bad, and... Um, or we're listening to it in the car on the way to work, or to you know sometimes to church or wherever we're going. Um, we're at work, you know, and, and I've you know it's a lot of young. I work with a lot of young people, and of course they've got their little you know things in their ears, listening to whatever's on their phone, and um, sitting in the break room sometimes. And half of us, instead of talking, they're you know doing something on their phone or whatever, and we're just constantly being fed, you know, information. Usually it's not very good information, but we're getting bombarded with it like all the time. And it's just, it's, it's, it turns into a bad habit. 
and it's and you've probably heard the acronym for busy bound under Satan's yoke you know because he has a very slick way of doing things to distract us from him um, I remember Jim Honberger um, author of the book Escape to God was talking about um, how when he first uh, he'd been a Christian for three or four years and he'd He'd heard about Enoch and how Enoch walked with God. And he wanted that type of relationship. He wanted to be able to walk with God. But he said every, it seemed like every time he would start to focus on it, something would come up and distract him onto something else. And his walk with God would slip and suffer until he finally sold his business, sold his house, moved out to Montana, up into, out, literally out into the wilderness to be able to learn, to, to listen to the Lord. And finally, got the uh, relationship he wanted. But even there, it's he said it was even there it was difficult. And uh, but here, you know, when we're in a city, especially even a, even a relatively small city like Lakeland, you know, we're constantly bombarded. You go through the aisle of the grocery store, and there's all kinds of magazines and newspapers and stuff distracting you with headlines. And so, if you're riding the bus and you're hearing people either talking about stuff you don't want to listen to or other things like that too. And we just, and even at, even at home, um, we we tend to collect stuff that we don't need and get clutter in our lives. And um, in fact, my my mother-in-law surprised us on Christmas Day and showed up at the door of our house. I, I, I just I just got off work, and um, I called Kathy. We were because it was like I said, it was Christmas Day, and um, Aaron and some others were planning on going out and doing some Christmas carols in the neighborhood around the church that evening for a prayer meeting. And I was planning on, on coming and going. And I, I had just uh, got off work and I would called Kathy. And um, just I think I just had left to, to come over this way. And somebody knocked on the door of the house. And she goes, you know, it's like, who is it? And it's like, it's your mother. And she's like, no, it's not. And she's like, yes, it is. Open your door. It's your mother. <laughs> she opened the door. It was her mother. She had driven all the way from Louisiana to surprise us. And uh, while she was here for, what was it, about a week? About a week, about a week or ten days. And uh, while she was here, she kind of helped us get, you know, a little better organized. And we moved some stuff around and cleared out some clutter in the house. And um, I was just thinking about that, and it's a blessing. And I was just speaking of Jim Holmberger again. Um, he, in addition to his book, um, Escape to God, he wrote a follow-up to that called Come to the Quiet. And if you haven't read it, I greatly recommend it. It's a great book. And where he's talking about some other aspects of moving out into the wilderness. And in the second chapter of it, he's got... Find it here. There it is. Uh, he includes a little poem in here, which I thought was really good. About uh, talking about downsizing your life and just getting rid of stuff that you don't really need, not necessarily things, but that's part of it. But this is one thing that just kind of struck me: is a little poem, and uh, it's by a fellow named Amos R. Wells. It's called "Things, Things, Things." Things, things, things on the table, on the floor, tucked away behind the door, on the shelves, and on the chairs dangerously on the stairs, bureaus crammed and closets filled, boxes packed and boxes spilled, bundles everywhere you go, heaps and piles that overflow of things, things, things. Things, things, things. Things of value, worthless trash, things that per, things preserved are gone to smash, 
ancient things and things just bought, common things and things far sought, things you mean to throw away, things you hope to use someday, cellar, attic, all between, one exasperating scene of things, things, things. <laughs> things, things, things. Things that take our precious time, things that hold us from the life sublime, things that only gather dust, things that rot and things that rust, things that mold and things that freeze, things that harbor foul disease, things that mock us and defy, till at last we grimly die of things, things, things. Things, 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 let me cease to be their fool, let me fly their crafty rule, let me with unsparing knife cut their canker from my life. Broad and clear and all serene, let me make my mansion clean from things, things, things. Amen. Amen. And it, uh, it just struck me while I was working on the sermon that we need to clear things, things, things from our lives so that we can hear the voice of the Lord when He speaks to us. Because He wants to speak to us. He wants to talk to us. And he, he wants us to talk to Him, and He wants us to listen when He speaks to us. And He does speak to us in the reaches of our heart. Sometimes it's just what I call a nudge, where you just got this feeling, an impression, if you will, that He wants you to do this or that. And once in a while, He actually uses words. And first time He did that, it scared me. <laughs> but He does sometimes. And uh, if you've never heard the Lord do that, then maybe you want to clear some of the clutter out of your life so that we can know Jesus. Not just meet Him, but know Him. And I invite you to do that this morning. If, and if you've never met Jesus this morning, I invite you to listen to Him tugging at your heart this morning, too, if you've never met Him at all. And if you have met Him, I invite you to draw closer to Him this morning.